1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. I am Chris Branch, your host, along with Brody, my co-host. We are both of The Athletic. Brody, how are you on this fine Tuesday afternoon?
2: I am good. I am busy, as you know, but in, like, the best way, not like, a complaining way, because sports are just happening in LSU right now, and they've been happening, but, like, a lot of stuff's happening, and stuff's happening in person, so it's even better. You know, LSU basketball is the new coach, obviously, a Matt McMahon, which we are going to talk about first today. LSU women's basketball just played its second-round game last night that I was at and got eliminated. Uh, LSU football, spring football is kicking off this week, so I'll be in Baton Rouge all week for that. Just, uh, and obviously, LSU baseball is an SEC season, so, like, uh, it is a, a chaotic time a little bit in LSU sports, but in a what feels like a generally a good way, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well, speaking of local chaos, we were supposed to record this podcast on Wednesday, and then uh, a little tornado-y yeah. thing is happening. Uh, did you clear all the stuff off your porch, Brody? Are you are you prepared?
2: I have not cleared all the stuff off my porch yet, so I have a little more work to do. But but have you?
1: Oh yeah, come on. I my 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 porch is for the porch beers. Like I, I have to keep it in good shape. It's your baby, I have to keep yeah, it. yeah. I, well, one day yeah, one day we need to record a podcast on the porch. We, it just has to happen. That was
2: literally like the the thesis of this pod when we were first pitching it when you I joined know. the team was like it was going to be the porch bath's pod and we have not done anything on a porch. There's been no porch content. That's Well, failing. you know,
1: you know my my little bit it's on not great Twitter for is, audio. is that is that when everybody uh well we, we we can film it. We have the equipment. I'm just saying that uh you know my little bit on Twitter when some somebody notable comes to south louisiana uh i invite them to porch beers and i think we should actually make that happen like why shouldn't matt mcmahon drive out the gentilly and sit on the porch and the lsu can film it they they got the good cameras and he can have a conversation with two of the premier uh personalities on the lsu beat would you disagree
2: i couldn't agree more man uh All right. you know, I think i think that's our future i think it's gonna happen um and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Jordi Culatta show has the undisclosed location. Ours is the the, the porch, you know, just hanging. Yeah, you know, I mean, porch
1: so LSU people listening to this, uh, I'm open to this. Let's make this happen. I don't see how you can lose.
2: By the way, I'm putting this out there in the universe because I said it in my mailbag. You know, someone asked who our, like, dream guests were, right? You said Paul Feinbaum, which I love. We both agree Joe Burrow is, like, number one for just so many reasons. Like, part, yeah, he's the biggest LSU figure ever probably. But two, uh, yeah. just like. <laughs> But also, just like I have so many like Burrow stories I want to dissect, and like, just I don't know, there's a lot to go through there. But my other one is I, and that feels like not inconceivable. Sam Burns just won the Valspar Ooh. this weekend, what won- becoming clearly a top 10 golfer at this point should make the Ryder Cup team next year, I think. And like, big LSU alum is openly a big LSU alum, and yeah. I'm like, you know what? It does, it seems cool, like, let's that- not. Remove that possibility. So I'm putting that out of the universe. If any of our listeners are, are connected to the Burns, click or posse, let's let's make this happen. So anyway, I'm just yeah, putting that uh, out. Of the like
1: universe. we we should refer to that as sources close to Burns. Like <laughs> anybody who is sources close to Burns.
2: Can we start just referring to all friend groups that way? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, oh. so a few of my sources close to Brody are coming <laughs> over. Like I yeah. Anyway, this is a big moment.
1: Um, Uh, I I think Sam would be also great for a porch beer.
2: I think Sam, I mean, the Shreveport guy, you as a fellow Shreveport connection Uh, guy.
1: Yeah. I would love to talk Shreveport with Sam. Sam, if you're listening, come on the podcast. We're ready. You know, speaking of other guests, before we really get into our rundown, uh, I thought about sliding into John Morant's DMs and just, just on a flyer. (laughs) I saw you
2: at him on Twitter already.
1: (laughs) Uh, I just tweeted a picture of him. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I thought, if he was not in the middle of a playoff run, I would have been like, what, what's, what's 30 minutes of your day? But you know what? I, I respect John Morant's time, um, but he is pretty online. Anyway, uh, let's get to the actual show. Uh, yeah. So we, we have, obviously, as Brody ran down, we're going to go over everything about Matt McMahon, a huge hire, honestly one that I am thrilled with, and one that kind of, uh, to me, reinforces Scott Woodward's rep of being really prepared. This hire happened very quickly. Uh, Matt McMahon lost a NCAA tournament game last week. Yeah. And he is already at LSU and the coach. So it's honestly very impressive. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Kim Mulkey and that atmosphere on Monday. I know it wasn't a uh, the outcome that LSU wanted, but she's got a lot of juice, man. And, you know, we, we can talk about her her standing in the athletic department and how quickly she's embedded herself here. And then uh, we're going to talk about some football. We have to talk about football every podcast. Who cares? Uh, But Brian Kelly speaking this week, we're really ramping up. So that's what we're going to do. Brody, I would like to start with Matt McMahon. What are your thoughts on the hire?
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, I think we spent so much of last week and I've been on a soapbox just kind of trying to remind people and so of you that I think LSU needs to think long term with this hire. Like, I know Scott Woodward probably poked him – well, I believe he did poke around on some of the biggest names in the sport, your Tony Bennett's and and some other names. And, and by the way, yeah, those are the best coaches, of course. But just considering the situation LSU is about to be in with you know sanctions, all that, we can get to that. I, I just think LSU could, needed to avoid a like quick fix because that is not the point. And I think Matt McMahon is – everything they kind of needed right now he is a young coach and more importantly he is you know everyone's probably sick of me saying this on the show i feel like it's my new catchphrase but he's a program builder he's a guy who is going to build an infrastructure a guy who identifies and develops talent at a high level and not just like you know, I think he's a very good recruiter. I think he's going to recruit well. But like, you know, isn't relying on just like bringing talent together. You know, he's a good coach. He's won twenty plus games for the last five years. You know, so I think I say all that to say I think he fits what they need right now. Just because LSU needs somebody who, yeah, these next two, maybe three years, maybe more, are going to be really rough, and they need somebody who is spending these next two to three years building like the bones, building the infrastructure, getting those. Again, I'm not saying like you're probably not getting top recruits, right? So getting the guys who are gonna, you know, come 2025, you know, off the top of my head. LSU is in good shape when they're out of these sanctions. They are in a good position and build for the future. And I think McMahon really fits that. And again, I don't want to imply that he's just some like mid-major team builder also. I think he's a guy who many elite programs would have liked. He's on those lists. So he's somebody who, when they're out of this, I think can compete at the highest level too. So it's a win-win. And the last thing I'll say before I defer to you is he also gets exactly what every coach wants. He gets the ...longest job security imaginable because he's on a seven-year deal. Really, let's be honest, an eight-year deal because it has a stipulation that he gets an extra year if they get a a multi-year postseason ban or scholarship productions. That is going to happen. So he gets an eight-year deal. And it's not just like the job security part that matters there. It's the fact that – and I can't stress this enough – it's that, that means you can do it exactly how you want to. Like Sam Hinkie with the Sixers is the best example. He had the job security so he could actually do how he wanted to. While so many other college coaches, for example, they might not even really get to build it exactly how they want to because they know like they kind of have to win early. And Matt McMahon is genuinely gets to build it exactly in his image. So I think this, and I think he's the guy well built for doing that. So that's my long way of saying I think he fits exactly what they need. He's a perfect up and coming hire and I'm really interested to see what happens.
1: I am too. You know, it, it, it's interesting. If, if you remember when we were talking about the football coaching hire before he hired Kelly, it was kind of like this vibe of Woodward's going to go to the top two guys. I think the report at the time was Davos Swinney. He's going to go to these people and make them turn him down. And I did. It, it's interesting because I did hear a little, uh, a little rumor about the Tony Bennett thing. And, you know, he might've had some interest there. And, uh, but I didn't. I wouldn't expect LSU to get Tony Bennett at this point with the with situation, but it is. very really Tony Scott Bennett Willard is to,
2: probably. I mean, like, am I crazy? He's probably the number one stock coach in college basketball. Just when you factor in like age and all those things,
1: he's young. He has a national championship. He uh, has a pretty old top ten years. program. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. So totally, and like uh, clearly, he turned him down, uh, or you know, th- they'll probably obfuscate the uh, the te- the terminology there. But I think there was interest. In Tony Bennett, and I think Tony probably politely said no, uh, understandably. But otherwise, I think this is a home run higher. I mean, if you search Matt McMahon and try to go back to last week, uh, he is on every watch list for every job. Mississippi State, Florida, all these other jobs that are open. Missouri. And he was, he was number one on a lot of those lists just because of the resume he talked about. So... I think this is a huge win for Scott Ward. It's a huge win for LSU as a basketball program long term. I mean, we can go through his resume right now. It, it's interesting. You know, he's, he's not that coach who, who has hopped around, which is fascinating to me because a lot of those guys, they, you know, they, they spend a lot of time in a lot of different programs. And I think that's a good thing. They're, they're an assistant here, they're an assistant there. They're building their coaching network. So I'll just, I'll just run down real quick. Matt McMahon played at Appalachian State late 90s into 2000. He was an assistant on Appalachian staff for one year. After that, then he went to Tennessee for two years as a graduate assistant. He went back to App State for eight years as an assistant coach. Was at UNC Wilmington for a year. Okay, little hopping. Then he goes to Murray State for four years. Then he spends about a month at Louisiana Tech as an assistant before Murray State brings him back after their coach left for Iowa State. So, and he was there for seven years at Murray State, and now he's at LSU. He's young, he's 43 years old, he's got a lot of energy, it's just it seems like a home run hire. And like his teams have never been bad at Murray State. His worst record is 16 and 17 in his second year. 26 and 6, 28 and 5, 23 and 9. This year he went 31 and 3 and 18 and 0 in the conference. And that's not the team that had Ja Morant, the current darling of the NBA, uh, on it. It's it's incredible. And like they they just became this machine very quickly. And I know it's on a different scale because it's at Murray State and it's, it, it's a mid-major, but I am, I am pumped for him. Uh, I think, like you said, he's going to have time to build. The, the thing I'm curious about, Brody, and I'll be interested in your perspective on this, is that I assume we're going to hit a lot of culture, a lot of program building. That is going to be the thing for the next year or so, that he is rebuilding the culture, he is setting a standard, blah, 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 blah. Does that help at all? with NCAA sanctions coming down the pike or are we getting out in front of this and saying, Hey, look, we, we hired a, a hashtag good guy that is not, you know, sanctions aren't following him around. There is not any, uh, Oh, he's kind of sleazy. Maybe like, well, Wade had the rep, even though I I supported it. Um, it, it it is a, it is a, a brand change for LSU in coaching. And does that help with NCAA sanctions at all to be like, look, we're, we're fixing our own mess. Look what we did. You don't. You don't have to come down as hard as you would have.
2: You know. I, I, obviously, I'm speculating. I think my guess would be, it. It. There's a lot of moves else you could have made that would have hurt it. You know, like that would have mm-hmm. just made it worse. I doubt this is going to inherently change anything for the positive. But I. I do think. Yeah, you are picking somebody that is not going to make it any worse. I. I do think that is a real thing. Yeah, you are setting. Maybe not sending a message in a way that it's like, man, great choice. Now we're gonna go lighter. But it might it's stopping it from, you know, them being like, Wait, you hired, I don't know, Kelvin Sampson? You know, just off the top of my head. You know, right. Like, yeah. That 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 is a positive, yes. Yeah. So I do think there's a little truth to that. And it really is wild. I was thinking about this in my drive back today, that like obviously we talk so much about Scott Woodward and how he's basically hiring every single major job at this school and all that, but It's even weirder that every single one of these except for LSU baseball, they all come with like needing to completely – and maybe this is just all coaching changes, right? But – they all come with this like very strong theme of like needing to rebuild the culture and like fixing some troubled times you know you know Brian Kelly's I mean I've written probably thousands of words about it at this point it's just like he's coming in to fix the broken culture of the Ogeron era and like all these things and how messy it was and now McMahon's come in Mulkey I don't think Fargus had a broken culture but Mulkey's coming in to fix like a completely stale program and culture and now McMahon's coming in to fix this completely you know this cheating culture it's like man like i knew lsu was a bad reputation but it's like man if i almost like glossed over how messy lsu was through so much of the last five years i don't know anyway but yeah so to answer your question i do think it it does you know put it in the right direction a little bit uh a weird fact i just discovered speaking of fargus i was looking at oak ridge tennessee um where matt mcmahon is from uh fellow notable person from Oak Ridge, Nikki Fargus. Wow. Don't know if he, don't know if LSU fans are gonna like that. But um What's <laughs> mean. <laughs> I mean? I mean what this on my opinion, LSU fans are like I really can't think of many coaches around LSU who like LSU fans are just like Fargus. Like they really like they are not high on Nikki Fargus. Like well, there's yeah. actually like a frustration
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think you used the right word. It, it was stale, and I think that was the best of the situations uh, that that we're speaking of with oh, yeah, the volatility totally. in the football but program. But the worst results. Uh, well, I mean, baseball was stale in a different way, but it was still stale at a um, maybe a, a higher rate of excellence. Yeah, they were still in the like top uh, twenty program. Say. Yeah, right. But still, um, I, I I do think it's um, it's just impressive and and. What I'm curious about is that we're going to have a solid two, three, four weeks right now of a very positive news cycle about LSU basketball. And I think that stuff really filters through. And I'm not sure, you know, how the NCA people and will we'll see that. But you're going to see I, – I assume that Matt will, will be good in his press conference. I mean, there there are no marks on the resume right now. There are no little – I, I don't have any questions, you know, like we, we talked about Brian Kelly, we talked about Jay Johnson, like about like, ooh, I wondered about this, or like, I wonder about, you know, the offense and Mike Denbrock and all this kind of stuff. I don't, there's no, there's no holes on the resume right now. I mean, so I don't really see anything like being like, ooh, I don't know about this. And I, I know that LSU is going to pump out the, uh, the in-house media about it and, I just feel like there's going to be this really positive aura on the program. And, I, and I'm wondering if that seeps into anything. I mean, maybe that's me projecting wishful thinking as an LSU fan. But I don't know. And, and, and I'm also curious. And we could talk about the contract, which is going to be an eight-year deal, uh, which is incredible. And it, it was what somebody like him needed to come here. But do you think there's any inkling of like th- – does anybody in the athletic department think that maybe these sanctions will be lighter than expected, and that's why we got this guy here?
2: Uh, I think they are fully preparing in every way for it to be, you know. I think like two-year postseason ban is that, you know, the. I think three is probably likely two is the expectation. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would be – I think a lot of it's. Like we've said this at the show before. So much of it's really about making sure football isn't hit hard. I think basketball. It is just, and it's the NCAA. There's genuinely no actual knowing what they're going to do. Right. But exactly. I think I don't. Re- I have not heard from anyone else. You who's like, you know, I think they might go easy. I, I think basketball is going <laughs> to get hit like we expect. And again, Scott Woodward knows that. Otherwise, there's no world where he gives them that specific contract. You know. So yeah. And, and going back to you know your thing of you know, possible negatives, you know, it's like, you know, I I think there's a possibility somebody can make an argument that, you know, Murray State is, you know, one of those jobs where everyone wins there. Like every coach whoever was there gets a head bigger job after like, you know, Steve Prom, Mick Cronin, um, Billy Kennedy, you know, just Mark Gottfried. It just goes on and on and on where they just always go to a better job. So there's always like that slight question. You see this with like soccer hires all the time where it's just like, is it the coach or is it just a program that is well-constructed? You know, uh, Butler basketball is another one. But uh, the only thing I'd say to that is, uh, and I really recommend everybody, like I I know we did this for Notre Dame a lot, I really recommend everybody go read Brendan Quinn's fantastic. He actually spent like, you know, a lot of time with – Murray State about a month ago leading up to this postseason and did a just fantastic feature on McMahon why he stayed this long on Murray State just it's a really great read that gives you a lot of insight into him and we'll have more on him soon but in that story there are like multiple people including Steve Prom who uh, just left Iowa State saying like yeah I get it he is probably the best coach of all the Murray State coaches. Like people are going out of their way to say that. And like this guy is kind of special. And I know it's made the rounds. There's that Bruce Pearl video of him about four years ago, I want to say. You know, basically after an Auburn Murray State game, just being like telling the reporters, like, your guy is your guy is a rising star. Like this guy is brilliant offensively, like and all this stuff. So I, I do think that's a reasonable question. And I also think Matt McMahon's, and again, this is all just guessing, but it just seems like there's a little bit of an aura of with McMahon of like this guy's next, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, but you know, you never know. So that, that's the other thing.
1: It's going to be fascinating, man. I'm, you know, I assume that we're going to have to rebuild the team from scratch. I mean, most of the big recruits are, have already committed. Uh, I haven't seen anything on the current players, whether they want to transfer or not. Um, Tari probably gone. I uh, I'm curious to see what this team looks like next year.
2: Yeah. Just realistically speaking, it's not even about McMahon. Like I just assume the majority of them are gone,
1: you know, it's, like just, you, you, get you don't, yeah.
2: Even, yeah. Like it's not even about the coach. It's just about, it's not,
1: it's about, yeah. it's about what's coming. And so I, but I'm curious to see what kind of, if McMahon can maybe convince some guys to stay or what, if he even tries very hard because it's like it, I don't know, it's kind of like a breakup. I feel like you you understand that things are bad and then it's like, "Oh, well, I understand why you want to leave."
2: <laughs> like, yeah, and there's also precedent, you know, just if you want to spin it optimistic. There is precedent for you know, major players, you know, staying with or going to programs that they know have bands so like, you know, Christian Hackenberg going to Penn State right after their four year postseason ban is the first example that comes to my mind. Five star quarterbacks like, you know, what I'm still going to go to Penn State with Bill O'Brien. Uh, another one, I think Matt Barkley. Correct. He he uh, he signed with USC right after the, the Reggie Bush, you know. And all that stuff so there, there's examples right it's not unheard of to think you're still going to keep some good guys or maybe even recruit better than we think but just realistically prepare yourself it might be a really rough year too
1: all right i'm thinking off the top of my head here tell me if i'm stupid or not because i like those examples i don't think they're very congruous with basketball but i think that could also help so hear me out yeah so basketball is – and LSU has had a lot of these one-and-done, two-and-done guys under Will Wade that have been spectacular talents. But we can't say they've hung around the program a lot. But that's a lot of places. You can you can leave for the pros anytime you want to after you get one year in. So if you were a five-star recruit and you wanted to come play for a good coach, LSU is going to get publicity. I mean, they, they are going to be on national TV yeah. no matter postseason or not. Um, or would you rather – like? you're going to have your pick of other teams and an NCAA tournament run can give you a lot more publicity than you had before. I'm just curious to see how that shakes out. Like what is the selling point for Matt McMahon recruiting people for next year's team?
2: Yeah. And I think that's something I can't wait to ask him tomorrow. Quite frankly, I might seal mm-hmm. that exact question, but, uh, you know, I think that that's reasonable that, yeah, it's like, hey, man, this is you can be the star. And to your point, basketball is slightly different in some ways and for both good and bad, because like you could make don't get mad at me. LSU, you could make an argument that at least in the last 20 years, nobody's gone to LSU being like, I expect to win a national title here. You know what I'm saying? Like and again, no postseason's a rough look, but, uh, you know, so like maybe it's like. You know, you're going there to to build your stock and make a case for yourself to build like so yeah, I I actually think that's reasonable. And I think the more realistic view that I think is actually again a huge positive, and this is kind of what I led with, is the big thing is LSU can get the guys they want. And and what I mean by that is I think so often in recruiting you find yourself, especially as a new coach, being like, I gotta sign this, I don't know, top fifty guy. Because I need to win over the fan base early. I need to put things in the right, you know what I'm saying? And like, mm-hmm. and, and I think it would do a lot to, and, but sometimes those coaches really want to go get. The guy who they love, who's a three star or a back end four, you know, and probably will be there three, four years. It probably is going to be better long term and help the team more. But you can't. And I think that's the main thing I would look at. And again, I'm not putting Matt McMahon as a box that he's going to like recruit like a mid major. No, but I'm saying I think that's the silver lining in this is that you can actually build a program the right way because you're not forced pigeonholed into getting those five stars because I nobody is expecting can, you to. Yes, and I really can't stress that enough that you might have I, here's the example I keep using is you look at college basketball as much as we talked about the one and done world and that took over in the 2010s but I can think of one no I think I can think of two teams that won a national title being big recruiting one and done right Duke in 16 or was it 15 and UK in 12 yeah other than that, every single title team, of course something like you know every now and then they have like one, but most of them are guy teams that are built on two, three four year guys or like top forty guys that stayed a second year you know right and and I so I really don't think of like getting five stars is even the way to win anymore, and this is an entirely separate tangent that is not related to Matt McMahon, but I'm just keep repeating like I think this could actually lead to lSU being in better position
1: well so if, if you're saying that McMahon is gonna be selling people on at least two years, Look, stay two years at least. And we're going to build a really good culture here. You're saying that at worst, it might be one lost year for these players. Say that one more time. Like one lost year for these players. Like, you know, after this year, if, if there's a three year ban, which is the high end of what we expect. So this year is kind of a wash, but next year you can sell guys and being like, look, we're going to build this culture for one more year. And then after that, we we're open. We we're, we're in the tournament. We we can totally. We we can put you on that big stage, and we're gonna make it there. And I know how to do it because I've done it at Murray State. You ever seen John Morant play, guys? Yeah, I <laughs> coached him. He was like unranked, and then he became the number two draft pick on my team. Ah, no, I, can I th- see. I it.
2: Think, yeah, I think that's a that's a better way of looking at it in a lot of ways. When you put it like that, that it's really not that long in their careers, especially if you're not trying to get like a, a one and done. So yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more.
1: I just hope it. It would be great if we had that like Ohio State year, where I mean I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated, but what if LSU goes like 27 and four, and they can't they can't make the NCAA tournament? Like what happens then? Can they make the? I guess they can't make the NIT either. Can no, they the, can't. Can we go to the CBI? I know I'm trying to is think, that, think is of that a, still comp. a thing.
2: Like USC had a year like that where it was kind of a comp, but there's really not many.
1: Well, there, was a, there was an Urban Meyer team that went twelve and zero, right, and then didn't go anywhere. Football. I'm talking about football.
2: Oh my goodness, you're right. I don't know what they finished at, but they had a really good year. You're right. It was it um, was
1: the Tattoo Band. They they finished the year undefeated, and um, they just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but I, I mean, about that. it was a um, memorable team. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for it.
2: No, and, and the last spin zone I'll put on this, and I know I'm gonna. Uh, Mini ran, I guess, is also it's like a two to three year window where a coach gets freedom to not just recruit the way he wants, because that's what I keep saying. Also, get a program that is like built in his image in the sense of playing how he wants, right? Like you know, from I understand, he likes like this very heavy offensive rebound, fast break, you know, on the on defense kind of you know style of offense. Uh, They you know they're they're really smart. They limit turnovers. They create a lot of things. All that you know. He has a very specific style, and it's like he gets th- two, probably three, completely free years to just build a, a program that knows exactly how he wants to play. And and then come year four, it's like the first year where people have any actual expectations. And I know this all sounds like I'm being positive. Maybe this is just how my insane warped sports brain works. But I actually I can't believe – like this is going to sound so delusional. It's going to sound like I'm like a homer, but this is just how my insane sp- – brain works is like treat this as like fun. I know this sounds dumb, but like and maybe this is again, I am a 76ers fan. I went through the process and it was like fun to get behind this like galaxy brain thing where you are like rebuilding and like you are not obviously don't try to lose and all that, but like you you are building on like, hey, we are building for four years later. It's so freeing. And I'm telling those you fans to like treat this as just like this weird, fun thing where it's, like, actually a benefit because it's one of the only times ever that a coach can just spend three years, two years, 2 let's say two, spend two years genuinely just getting it exactly how you want. That is, like, a weird power-up. So, again, that is my spin zone for LSU fans, But and I, I've repeated myself ten times, but I just think, like, completely reframe your thinking on this, and I think you'll have fun with it.
1: I think there will be a very devoted group of fans that do exactly what you suggest. I'm going to be a little dubious uh, about the rest of them because I think that basketball is third or fourth around here. And when the team's is bad, uh, interest wanes. And when the team's good, we're packing the PMAC. So I, I hope you're right. I, I will take that tact. I mean, I'm just I'm more of a sit back. And I, 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 it's going to be a sit back and watch kind of year or two for me. With picking out like encouraging things that I assume are going to happen. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: lie
1: but let's transition great segue on my part here coming up i talked so about packing good. the pmac
0: radio pro
1: packing the pmac that it was packed on monday night for an all-in-all bad game but brody miller was there tell me <laughs> tell me about the atmosphere there was an ncaa tournament game in the pmac what, what was it like
2: oh i'm so sorry i this is gonna sound better i genuinely thought you were leading to something else i'm so sorry wow, wow. burn not my day. Anyway, no, it was, and I'm not exaggerating, it was a, I've been in, you know, I was at the PMAC the the night, you know, when they won the SEC title, when they beat Tennessee, you know, during some of those Will Wade years, like, and those were incredible crowds. But there's a certain level, and you, you know, you know this as well, where there's like a different kind of shrillness in a crowd, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like a different level of the noise. Like, this crowd actually wasn't technically full, right? There were Kind of like the end, like the the basket side upper seats weren't completely full, right? It's not like full, but there's just a different level of the people, the density. It was like a shrill passion. And that's what this LSU game had, where I feel confident saying that was actually the loudest I've heard the PMAC since I've been here. And again, I'm not there every game, all these things. But, and you know, Ohio State players who play in the Big Ten that has some great women's basketball programs and some really dedicated fan bases, both of them said and Kevin Coach Kevin McDuff were like, yeah, that's the loudest place we've played like ever in our in our careers. You know, like that. It was a genuinely wild atmosphere, and obviously that matters because it's not just that they're getting behind a team, right? Or like, ah, oh, we're good. And yes, of course, there's a little bit of that. But and you know this, you grew up with it. LSU women's basketball used to be a premier program. Five yes. consecutive Final Fours. You know, three. You know, in one form or another, three all-time coaches. Really, you know, between mm-hmm. Sue Gonter, Pokey Chat- Chapman, and Van Chancellor, and You know, and then it just reached apathy, like actual apathy the last, I don't know, five, seven years under under Fargus. And, And I know there's the Don Staley comments that if they did that, if they were as passionate, then, you know, the chicken or the egg thing, like maybe she would still be around. I don't know if I agree with all that, but that's a whole different discussion. I don't want to go down. But since the Mulkey hire even before a game was played, season tickets are up to 4,500 seats before the season even started. Um, the, the fast Break club, which is like their booster club is like 257 members now and like pouring money in. They've already got a new weight room or the no new weight rooms. Hopefully coming already got a new training room, already got new, uh, I believe, yeah, new offices. Like there's just a passion going on right now, boosters, everything and, and fans filling that place and like making it a thing where it's like, this is a women's basketball school again, that, that's tangible. Like that's real. That, that creates a culture where you actually keep it going. And this program's going to keep rolling. And they have five stars coming in. Mulkey's recruiting at a great level. She's going to crush in the portal this year. So yeah, they lost. And I don't think even Kim Mulkey was that crushed because yeah, they earned a three seed, but that team was overachieving beyond belief. Yep. So everything they had was just house money and no one's like going to sit. None of the players weren't crushed, you know, like, I, like, it's understood they weren't that talented but it was a re- it's my long way of saying it. it was a genuinely packed environment and it was really cool to see just this place get crazy about it and she received an ovation that was like I know this is gonna sound insane because you know I was at the championship parade I've heard Ogeron and the feedback get cheered for Miles I think I don't think I even heard Miles or Ogeron at the peak of their powers get like the pure reverence of screaming applause that Kim Mulkey got just entering from the locker room like it was reverence like and
1: Hmm. what continue jump in I'm just no it's fascinating to hear that because I mean I haven't been to a women's game in a long time and like you're right I did grow up like LSU it is it's still a crime to me that LSU did not win a national championship with Simone Augustus Sylvia Fowles all those incredible teams that went toe to toe with some of the best Tennessee teams we've ever seen too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I I am, I'm, I'm, I I still am slightly surprised to hear you say that Kim Mulkey got a better ovation than Ed Ogeron did after winning the 2019 title. Um, It's just a different tone to it. Is that fair? Like, well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not. It, I'm not trying to literally go on the record
2: saying like this was loud. You know, I, I don't, don't know. This is know. on
1: tape, Rudy. We yeah, can, that's true. we can rewind it. That's literally on the record. It. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I am. I am curious though because we were talking before we started recording about how Kim Mulkey is already one of the longest tenured major coaches here in her uh, first year. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she was when she was hired. Will Wade was the basketball coach. Ed Ogeron was the football coach. Paul Neri um, was, was the baseball coach. So fascinating, but she, she's, she already, I mean, and she deserves this because she is one of the five best coaches in women's basketball history, probably, but she's really throwing a weight around. She, she has a stature at LSU that is honestly shocking in a way and another way, not shocking because I don't think there's been a comparable hire at LSU in any sport of like this, um, this person who was a legit national champion somewhere else, who already had high stock in the game coming here. Because it's it's always like, oh, we are taking the best of the best, sure. But like Brian Kelly hadn't won a national championship. I know he'd been to a couple of playoffs. But he wasn't considered one of the five best coaches in the sports history. Um at Ogeron, of course not. You know, uh Paul Maneri had some really good teams at Notre Dame, but still, you know, hadn't won anything like Kim Mulkey had won. No. So there was she she already had this stature on day one and she is clearly taking advantage of it she is capitalizing on it and like she is she's already just such a major power player and you can tell from the outside i mean i I know that you have people inside telling you the same thing but you can just tell from here like she she has this ownership of the place that i think people really love and feed off of
2: yeah and i think we're onto something and there's even more to it i think and that and just to go back to the comp of like saying it's the it's the most like reverence i've because i think there's even more than just She's good, you know. It's like one, yeah, like you said, there's never been somebody who just came here and like she chose them, right? There's an element of that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you were at a dynasty and you said, I want to go here, that's gonna make people love you more. There is, but I think the thing that's even deeper is just this like love affair of she's one of them, she's one of you, I guess I could say. She is a South. Not not South, but yes, yeah, so no, she's a South Louisiana girl. And like she will remind you that every chance she can. If you've <laughs> ever seen a video of her eating a crawfish, you're like, yep, she's from Louisiana. She even sucked the juice out of the head. Yeah. Um, and like I think – and I wrote this in the story – it's even more than just being good at basketball. It's, it is the perfect mar- It's as good of a marriage of coach and university as I've ever seen in sports, just because Kim Mulkey doesn't work a lot of places. She is controversial. There are a lot of people rooting against Kim Mulkey, but here she is just so beloved because she fits exactly who they are. And when I talk about this reverence, it's because of that cult of personality she brings, right? It's because she is like this brash, you know, politically incorrect just savage kind of badass who rocks sequined pastel jackets and like it is just like there's something so easy for LSU people to just get behind so that's why even like I use that I'll go back to that example and of course it's not one-to-one it's not literal but like Ogeron won that title oh god yeah I mean I think that 19 team will be more beloved than anything Mulkey will ever do of course but even Ogeron they like got the just heightest. there's still like this weird like joke element there right there's still this like Man, oh, you never know what he's gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Like, there wasn't this like unconditional love with O. Am I wrong in that? And, and Miles, there was always a frustration, even through winning a title.
1: I think Ed had the unconditional love for, let's say, l- l- let's bookend it with after the Alabama win, 2019, yeah. and through, uh, I guess February <laughs> uh, after the title. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he had that, and like you're right that Kim has really taken that spot in the athletic department and made it her own as like one of us. Like that was always a selling point of coach O and then coach O won the title. And like, you know, he's saying all the local terms. He, he knows, he, he knows your mama. he knows her cousin. Like that's, that's the thing. That's that. and like Kim is that way, but like she, uh, has consistent success elsewhere and she is bringing that here. Or as Ed found it here and then kind of screwed it up at the end. So it's just cool to see. I mean, uh, the women's basketball fan base, like you said, like the one I grew up with was loud and passionate. And when I, would, when I was a, uh, you know, it hit me with like the little twinkle thing for the, uh, the flashback in, in a movie. But when I was at LSU working for the Reveille, I would cover a lot of women's basketball games. And I remember e- even when I grew up going to some women's basketball games, I was surprised at how much bigger of a turnout it was for women's basketball than men's basketball because they were just a better team. And it's just a cool atmosphere. And, like, I'm glad to see that back because that had clearly fallen off under Nikki Fargus for whatever reason. But and it just it, it wasn't there, and it's back. And, and you know what? I'll, the cool last thing I'll add.
2: I'm oh, sorry. My bad. That's the it. The last uh, thing I'll add to, to add a cherry on that is, and to your exact point, There's just a different element of, and I think this is true of LSU baseball too, to be very clear, there is a women's basketball fan, there might be a lower percentage of fans of the population, but they are going to be the biggest diehard fans, to your point, I think. It's like, you know, it's niches are often the strongest, you know, like... Basis to get we work in a subscription business right like yeah. niches are really the people who will pay for a subscription and women's basketball fans man i saw this at iu at uh, the beginning of the terry morin era now shoot hey, she is them in the sweet 16 but uh but like where the women's basketball fans yeah they're not gonna fill assembly hall the same way but they are rabid while everybody's an iu basketball fan but like it's maybe a lower percentage who are just like this is my life you know mm-hmm. and i think i think that's very true with the lsu basketball programs don't you think we're like yeah, they care about LSU basketball, but guess what, man? I worked at the Times pick and I I used to have those the data, and it was like my, my LSU baseball story has got more reads than LSU basketball, and that is not true at almost any other program in the country. Like yep, they yeah, they're LSU basketball fans, of course they are, but it's not it's not die hard. And I think that's another thing when I keep talking about this is like I think these women's basketball people they they love it deeply and make it like a personality trait.
1: Well, that's what I was saying earlier about you were asking people to kind of trust the process a little bit. And I was saying, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how many of those people are going to be there Fair. for that than, like, yeah. you know, at the, the women's basketball team. This was it, – it's kind of crazy that the trust the process here for Kim Mulkey ended up with a three seed and a second-round berth and a packed house. And, like, that's – this is supposed to be the rebuilding year. So it's going to be fun to watch her. I, I, I think that she probably uh, is going to be a mainstay in the LSU athletic department for another – However long she wants to be. I think she's got her run of the place for now. So <laughs> I think it's, she can do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's cool to see. Um, last thing before we get out of here, let's talk we have to talk football, as we said earlier. You wrote a good story going over some spring questions. It's a lot of stuff that we have talked about. Um, so I I'm curious, like, what are the top three questions you want to ask Brian Kelly tomorrow?
2: You know, I think obviously there's some things we need like we need to know about right we wanted to ask i think one of the things we have to ask him about but it also you know this as well as i sometimes you're asking questions you know there isn't a great answer to so like we want to ask about what did he think of the quarterback room and what led to him feeling like he needed to get Jaden daniels that's a big question so we're going to ask a lot of Jaden daniels stuff because he's the news of the day sure. but i think the first thing i want to know is i want a, a better update on the john emery situation You know, um, we talked about him so many times. You don't need to go down that rabbit hole. again. We
1: live on John Emery Island. I mean, we really do.
2: I refuse. This is is our niche,
1: Brody. I'm like, I'm ready.
2: The the payout is too high. You know, we can't. Uh, Yeah. So I I think it seems like he's going to be ready, all these things. But there's not been any, you know, credible confirmation on anything. So this will be a first chance to really get some sort of answer on that. Um, I think another is we just didn't really get a chance to. We asked, like, Brad Davis and stuff like that. But I want to talk to him, Brian Kelly himself, more about the offensive line because the thing with Kelly's press conferences uh, last month where it was pretty much like he answered four questions about the staff because he was introducing the staff and he rolled out each time. So it's like we have – and then the, the first press conference in December, like, he doesn't know anything yet. So this will be, like, I want to hear his thoughts on kind of the O-line, like the whole center shakeup, all that kind of stuff. I think that ranks really high on things I want to know. And then the other is just kind of, I want to pick his brain about like, and I've talked to a lot of people in the program about this, but I want to hear from Kelly about like, okay, you've been here three full months now, more than that. You know, like who are the guys you're leaning on? You know what I'm saying? Like who are your juniors that you are like are clearly your ally, stuff like that. I'm so fascinated with that
1: are those boring answers. What, what are the things you want me to ask? No, that's, that's it. I mean, I'm curious about the quarterback situation and, and all, you know, all these questions are going to be borne out during practice. Like that's, that is the uh, the nice, like, bedrock that we have is, like, it's all coming very soon. So, and you guys are going to get to watch practice. Like, there are going to be actual neutral observers watching practice and just letting us know how it looks. I'm excited to get some actual data, some actual tape of people throwing footballs and running around, and, I don't know, it's it, it's going to be fun, you know. Um, one thing that you included in your story is about the culture, and we we talk about this all the time, and... I apologize. Is it's boring, but like, does he have it yet? That's you phrase it as. Does Kelly have the culture he wants? And you just pointed out that it hasn't been that long. So like, I am curious to hear what his answer would be to that kind of question. To be like, oh, we still have a little ways to go, or like, I'm really impressed with how these guys have come around. Like, that is one of those things that I read tea leaves on about how good this team can be because if Ryan Kelly kind of hedges and says, you know, it's a long process and we really want to build a good foundation here, I'm going to assume that means that like there's still a lot of progress to go. But if there's like a I'm surprised at how much these guys have adapted, I'm really impressed with how hard these guys are working at this and and the buy-in that we have, that will make me excited as a fan. No, is that unfair? I
2: No, I don't think that's unfair. I think it's actually uh, you know that's two questions I'm stealing for you for tomorrow.
1: What was the basketball one I'm stealing?
2: Oh, recruiting. What's your recruiting pitch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, no, I I think that's completely fair because that is something that's like like it's going to be so hard to pin down and quantify. But like that that is the number one thing that really matters, really this whole year because no one's going to be mad at Brian Kelly if he I don't know goes seven and five. I don't think it's going to like. Drastically change my outlook on the future of LSU right. football, but like if they look like they don't give a crap and all that, it's like oh he might not be landing, you know. So mm-hmm. I I couldn't
1: agree more. Well, you must credit me when you when you ask these questions, please. Yeah,
2: uh, no, I'll say Chris Branch of the Athletic uh through yeah. through through Brody Miller, like you know, by proxy. Uh, yeah, by thank you, by proxy. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to do that.
1: Good. All right, that that's good. Um, so you have a busy day tomorrow. Speaking of two press conferences on campus after our little tornado action here. Um, we hope everybody is safe. I haven't seen a lot of winds here yet, but, uh, I know we have a couple more hours in this window. Um, yeah. what time are the press conferences? Uh,
2: Kelly is at noon and there's still no confirmed time on Matt McMahon.
1: It's going to be a busy day. Uh, we'll probably be back with you guys early next week to recap all of this. Uh, Give us five stars on every listening platform. Brody, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we get out of here?
2: Um, you know, just thanks for making it all 45 minutes. It means the me. You're my people.
1: My rule is always the people who say to the end,
2: you're us. I'm going to print. We should make a line of t-shirts that's like the last five minutes club. You know, like, yeah, that's that. Those are my people. Love so, that. Yeah.
1: Last five minutes club needs to have a porch beer time.
0: Oh. <gasps>
2: Wow, we could negotiate that. I don't know how we'd prove that they could lie, and you know, just fast forward to the end. But you know,
1: yeah. Okay, let's let's start a little like a little keyword.
2: <laughs> but again, that goes back to like they could just be skipping ahead. But yeah. Uh, so what's today's keyword? Hmm. Pineapple.
1: Pineapple. Done. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what if we get like fifteen pineapple tweets and it's like, sorry, Katie, we have to throw a party.
1: <laughs> just. Just tweet the pineapple emoji at me at Brody, and you're in. Okay? (laughs) All right. right. Thank you for listening, everybody.
2: everybody. You're the best. Have a great day. Stay safe.
1: See you guys later.